I'm really excited about what I want to share with you today. Um, I thought that I would, you know, bring something that I've shared in Newcastle so each location is uh, on the same page. But the Lord's given me a, a special word for you this morning. I haven't preached it before, which me, but I think it's really powerful, which means I probably won't deliver it as well as it deserves. So I'm praying that God speaks through it uh, really powerfully for you. There's two major focus points for us in Rhythm City around the world. Uh, it, I know... Ben McComa knows the heartbeat statement uh, off the top of his head. Uh, and I know many of you do. And he's, he's got it at, the, at his fingertips as well. Uh, the, the heartbeat of Rhythm City Church is to be a global family of maturing spirit-filled followers of Jesus. And within that, there's two major areas. There's the, the vision for a global family. And then there's uh, a vision for each of those uh, parts of the global family to be making disciples. And I know my wife has already prophetically led us into a moment of praying for that Dubai church plan. I think we have signed up our first members in Dubai, people who are living in Dubai, who are looking to be part of the church plan. And so we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, Alana uh, is thinking of moving to Dubai from Newcastle. We also need to give a huge shout out to Dan Offerens holding my daughter right now. Some of you met his wife, Rachel. She was here last trip, right? She came out and danced at the end. She hates dancing. Uh, so does Dan. So we'll get Dan out to dance later on. Um, and so, and even these guys are thinking about, they've got four kids. I think they're going to have more. He's on track, on track for 12, I think. And, uh, and they're thinking of moving to Dubai. It's all happening. And as Jamie said, there will be people, we need some Nairobians who will be up for the, the challenge. And so how do you know, if it might be you, that you really just need to get a God said? When you, when you make a decision about doing something for the Lord, you've got to hear His voice before anything. You don't plan a church, for instance, after you figure out the budget. We have nowhere near enough money to plant a church in Dubai. Uh, but God does. Um, and we have his word that was planted in our hearts in 2017 about that church plan. So whatever you do in life, make sure you don't do it based on budget. Make sure you don't do it based on the details. God's word is the thing that outworks all the details. And when you hear it in you, then you go, okay, how are we going to make this work? It's like marriage, right? You don't go, well, if you promise this, 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 and this, and if you're perfect in every way, then I might marry. No, you get married, and you trust one another to outwork it uh, as it as it goes along. And so you might, and 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 when God's breathing on something, it comes with passion. It comes with passion. It's the sort of thing that keeps you up at night. You can't stop thinking about it. It's the first thing you think about when you wake up. It's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep. And that's the kind of thing that you need to be a part of a God vision. And that's not for the faint-hearted um, because, you know, people need a job and uh, that all works out. We have contacts there that can help with getting the right people in the right place. And, uh, uh, but also it's a really, really hectic work culture. So if someone hasn't worked hard or doesn't like working hard, um, it would be a rude shock to the system to go to Dubai <laughs> because it is intense. Um, and it wouldn't be great to find a job that happens on Sunday, wouldn't it? wouldn't be great to be a part of a church plant but not be able to go to church. Uh, so there's all sorts of things that we've got to believe God for, but we know that there's going to be people. And we also want to make sure that this location stays strong. So we can't take all of you um, because we need to reach the city. Who knows that the church and the kingdom of God that the church brings to the earth is the only answer for the world we're living in. It's the only, you look, it's the only answer for the Middle East. The kingdom of God is the only answer in complex issues. Uh, the, uh, the kingdom of God is the only answer in Oceania. It's the only answer for Africa. And uh, we need local churches that can be agents of the kingdom of heaven, bringing that to every sphere of society. And so we're going to see three churches very shortly. Um, and seek God about that and see what he might have. But the other thing, which is what, what I want to talk about today, that's the exciting part. And the other exciting part is that within each of those churches, 
We're not trying to be really flashy. We're not trying to be um, the most, uh, you know, lights, smoke machines, uh, hype in those churches. Although we want it to be fun. Who knows church should be fun? Um, if you don't think church should be fun, oh, God's pretty fun, I think. And, uh, but the most important thing is that we are disciples of Jesus, that we are reproducing mature disciples of Jesus. And so I want to talk about that. And to do that, let's turn firstly this morning to 1 John 2 verses 12 to, I think it's actually only 14. I think I prepped you for 15, but that's okay. So let's read this together. Um, this is from the New Living Translation. I don't have screens today. I just have the Bible. Is that all right? And um, I'm going to read it from my Bible. If you have a New Living Translation or your phone, why don't you actually read it out of your own Bible? Uh, and if you don't have that translation, read it on the screens because there's nothing worse than trying to read your translation while hearing mine. So it says this, 1 John 2, verse 12. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. Then it goes on to verse 14. I've written to you, it's got this parallel thing going. It basically repeats that again, but with a couple of little changes. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. And this is the one I want to focus on today. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. How good is that? This is talking here about three stages of spiritual growth. So in our journey of becoming disciples, remember that heartbeat statement said maturing disciples. This scripture creates a great framework for that. It talks about the process from going from a child in the faith to being a young person in the faith and then finally to being a mature person in the faith. And, um, and so it's not talking about uh, your levels of being born into a Christian family. It's not talking about how many years you have sat in church. It's not talking about your experience or how important you are. It's not talking about your title or your position. Many pastors prove that they are indeed children in the Lord, even though they have a title that says otherwise. Because it's not about those things. It's about how much of Christ is formed in you. That determines our level of spiritual maturity. Therefore, you can have a mother and a father in the faith who are, who are young because they have a great deal of Christ formed in them. You can have people who are gray-haired, but they are children in the faith because they've been in church their whole life, but they haven't had Christ formed in them. And so our passion is to be people who have Christ formed in us and bear the fruit of the Spirit through us. Um, and I want to talk about that stage, as I said, these young, these young people, children, young people, mature people. I have a feeling that a lot of uh, people in the, in the church around the world at the moment are on a journey from becoming children in the Lord to becoming young people in the Lord. People who it is said about them that they are strong, the word of God lives in their hearts, and that they have won their battle against the evil one. Now, do you know what? You can be this even though you don't manifest it perfectly. One commentator says about this verse, um, there's a literary device used where, it's, where it says something about someone that is not necessarily exactly what they are, but it calls it out of them. Uh, so it's almost saying you are strong to someone who's maybe not very strong because it's saying this is who you are in Christ. This is who you are becoming. And so I love those things. You are strong. Do you know there is strength required to be a young person in the Lord? Um, I, I might be able to push young man Zhao around physically, but I don't think I'd give it a go against Sam. He's strong. Um, and, and we see this in life, right? The, to overcome the, 
Uh, you know, there's this picture in the scriptures of being tossed around, uh, immature, tossed around by external circumstances. Uh, that's the case for children. When children in, are in church, they're tossed around when someone says something to them that offends them. They're tossed around when, uh, you know, the economy is, is not so good. They're tossed around when it's raining outside. They're not found in church when it rains because it's, they're tossed around. Um, and so you need to be a young person in the Lord. You need strength. And that only comes by fighting battles. And who is that battle against? The evil one. Uh, outside of us, within us at times. And it says that, uh, that they have won their battle with the evil one. And we need to know that there is an evil one who is hell-bent on us being dislodged from our faith and being dis dislodged from the community of God. That is a reality. A simple survey of Peter who talks about him like a uh, prowling around like a roaring lion, intimidating people, looking to devour. It's clear, Ephesians 6, a whole lot of other scriptures that shows that there is an adversary that does not like you uh, and wants to see anything but your strength formed in Christ. And this is particularly hard. Is anyone a first-generation Christian? As far as like a serious first-generation Christian, not like you didn't grow up in church, but maybe you, you didn't grow up, you, your parents went to church, but they might not have been really legitimate disciples. Anyone come from that sort of background? You might be too uh, nervous too as well, because I see some nods, but no hands to, to accompany it. That's okay. Um, to be a first-generation Christian, to make a stand as a mature disciple when your parents were just churchgoers, it takes strength. And the thing I want to talk about today, though, is the very thing that it says here is the reason I interpret this, the reason that these young people are strong and the reason that they have overcome their battle with the evil one is because this beautiful phrase, the word of God lives in them. The word of God lives in them. And I want to talk about that. So the word of God, obviously, we're talking about what's written in scripture in the times in which we're living, living in. Um, and we're also talking about, I believe, the spoken word of God. There's the written word of God. And then there's like the spoken word of God that might come when a particular word that is written on paper becomes personal to you. Or it might be when someone speaks a prophetic word that is actually God-inspired and God is communicating something to them, and that becomes something that they hold on to, and that becomes a word spoken from God through people. And so there's different ways that the Word of God comes to us, um, but it's really important that a lot of people, I find these days, while no one would say they don't believe this, well, some people would, uh, but while not a lot of churchgoers would openly admit they don't believe everything in here, the reality becomes that their life isn't centered around this. Um, the first, because we've got to do things like read it, <laughs> got to do things like learn how to understand it. We've got to do things like get a humble heart to yield to what it says to us. Um, and so there is a lot of people sitting in church open this this year. How can it live in your heart if we don't know what it says? So I believe next year we're going to go to a new level in our church of learning our, our Bible, of understanding how to read our Bible and get it in us. But there's another particular passage that I sent on WhatsApp yesterday that really highlights for us, well, how do we get the Word of God to live in us? Um, what, does it, what does it look like? What does our heart have to look like in order for the Word of God to get in, not just to be around us, not just to be spoken from a pastor, but we sort of deflect what we don't want to hear and we take in the things that already confirm what we already believe in our biases. But how do we let the Word of God shape us, change us? Um, let's read about the parable of the sower, which talks about this. So uh, let's just read it through. There's the first section that has the parable itself. And then there is the explanation of it, which we'll read about, and I'll make some comments of it and try and be as succinct as possible. 
So, uh, Matthew chapter 13, it is on the screens again. But I'm just going to turn there. Okay, here we go from verse uh, 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them, he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Soil one. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. These seeds uh, sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Second lot. Other seeds fell amongst thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Third one. And finally, still others fell on fertile, fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, an important part about this parable, different, but difference between hearing and understanding. Everyone can hear the word, but to understand it means it gets from your head to your heart and into your behavior. That's understanding. So we're talking about the ability to get the word, not just into our ears, which we have the phrase fall on deaf ears. It's like the word, just boom, off it goes. And we want to get it into our hearts and then see it produce in our lives. And so if we fast forward down to uh, verse 18, Jesus explains the four different types of soil that he just talks about in the parable. And he says this, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one, represented by the birds, can't, which is so slack because birds are so cute. But anyway, um, in Jewish literature, apparently they represent uh, evil. Uh, <laughs> there are some evil birds. Anyway, I digress. Uh, let's start again because I just distracted us. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell amongst the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Isn't that powerful? Okay, so the first one, I'm going to focus on one here. But the first one talks about the word comes to someone, but the enemy steals it away. Have you ever had a friend that you've been sharing the gospel with and you think they're so close? They're almost there. Just surely one more conversation and they're going to receive Jesus and their life's going to turn around. But then something happens. They get a new girlfriend. They get a new job. And then all of a sudden, they're gone. The enemy comes in mysterious forms. Um, and so that's, that's sort of like the picture of that first type. The seed, they hear the word, but before it has time to take root, the enemy steals it away and they don't come into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so if that's you today, uh, don't, don't be that soil. Don't hear the message today and decide not to receive Jesus. Uh, let the word of the gospel sink deep into your heart and let it bear fruit within you. The second one uh, was the, the word was heard and received with joy, but as soon as problems or persecution come, they turn away as quickly as they came in. So this is, I don't know if you've had a friend who does, maybe they've, they came to church and they put their hand up to receive Jesus and they were excited. They were like, yes, I want to be a Christian I'm going to follow Jesus, um, particularly when it came with great promises of how 
their life was going to be made beautiful and wonderful and blessed and highly favoured and without issues and without problems. And they said, this sounds fantastic. I'm going to sign up for that. Um, but the minute that proves to be difficult or the, pro- the minute that something comes, they walk away. And this is talking about someone who appears to have made a decision to receive the word, but actually turns back and chooses to deny Christ. So it's someone who initially comes into the kingdom, really excited about it, and then actually turns away, rejects the gospel, rejects Christ, and is, in, and is what we call apostasy, turning away from following Jesus. But this third one is the one that I find a prophetic word for the times in which we are living in. I think it is the one that most clearly summarizes so many people who sit in churches around the world today. And it is the one that says the seed is heard and taken on and it quickly begins to grow, but thorns come in and choke it out and fruit is not produced. doesn't necessarily say it dies, that they leave the kingdom. And this is a tricky one. It's, it's a hard, there's no consensus on necessarily which ones of these are, are just uh, are actual disciples. But I would tend to think that this could picture someone who is maybe going to be in the kingdom in eternity. They're, they're, they're there, the seed's there, but the fruitfulness is choked up because of the thorns that come up around the seed. Now, the, the two thorns that it talks about are the worries of life and the lure of wealth. Or can I say it this way? Crises and comforts. Or can I say it this way? Problems and prosperity are the two biggest challenges that disciples need to overcome if they are going to bear fruit 30, 60, or 100 fold. Both of these are enemies of faith and mature discipleship. One of them makes something else bigger than God. The other makes something better than God. So problems make something bigger than God. Prosperity makes something better than God. And both of them cause us to take our eyes off Jesus and his word, his verdict over your life, his perspective, and fixes them things on external factors that cause us to be choked out from bearing fruit. For example, let's think about a very simple experience all of us are familiar with, turning up to church to worship Jesus. <laughs> well, it's funny, I'm on God. Oh, yeah, well, I heard you laugh. Um, a lot of people who are either driven and choked out by crisis or comfort find it very hard to walk into church and just start singing praise to Jesus. When we are, deter- when we are dictated to by the crises in our world, we come in with our head dragged down, our feet you know, kicking along the carpet, probably late. Not that everyone who's late does that. But a side note, turn up on time. Um, that, there you go, Kevin, I don't have to say it. It's easier for me to say it <laughs> coming in once. It, because this, anyway, this matters. I'll talk more about this. But they come in and it's like, okay, worship leader, what have you possibly got to convince me that I can worship God today? Give me your best shot. Because otherwise, I ain't doing nothing. Because do you know why? My kids are this. My girlfriend's this. The economy's this. My workplace is this. It's raining. You know, all of these things, this, they, they, they overwhelm. They choke us out. They choke us out. But when the Word of God lives in us, there is unlimited resource in here that we can draw upon that would give us God's perspective in our life. Because there's this wonderful passage in Psalm 77 where the author is lamenting about various circumstances of life, much like we do when we first walk into church. But then it all turns when it says something this, and they write this, but then I entered the sanctuary and I understood 
because there was something about coming together that opened their eyes like, you know what? I get a different perspective. And maybe in the case that we're looking at, instead of worrying about our finances, we would understand a few things. We would come in and say, God, in James 1, you promised that those who ask for wisdom would receive it. God, I want to see, I want to receive some wisdom today on my financial situation. Um, you might say things like, God, I'm feeling a little bit abandoned right now because I'm doing it a bit tough. But Matthew 6 says that our Father in heaven cares for us. You care for me, Father. So I'm coming into your care this morning and I'm going to worship you. I'm going to trust that you're going to look after, after me. Or, um, or maybe, do you know, sometimes the wisdom that we need comes from people. When it comes to finances, for instance, and I, I wasn't going to labor on the finance thing, but when Sam was speaking at a meeting before the, the, the service today, I, I, I sort of was gripped by the importance of that for people in the room today. Um, and, and wisdom, often we, we need someone to give us direction. When we're stuck, when we don't know how to move forward, we need someone who has runs on the board in that area who can give us insight. So instead of coming here going, oh man, everything's so hard and the, the, the end is gloom, go, God, I'm believing that amongst my brothers and sisters, Hebrews 10.25 says, do not give up the habit of meeting together, but encourage one another. God, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to believe that I'm going to put courage into someone else. And I'm going to believe that someone else has something for me that I can have courage put into me and I can go and take some steps forward into the future. Or we could also say, like um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God, even if you don't deliver me, I'm still going to worship you. Regardless of what you do or don't do, God, you deserve my worship. And so I'm going to walk in, I'm going to beat the worship leader to it, and I'm going to start singing before it's even on, baby, because I am not a crisis-driven Christian. I am a conviction-driven Christian. That's what young people, they're, they're driven by conviction based on the Word of God, not the crises that they face in their lives. But unless the Word of God gets in there, as long as our problems become bigger than God's perspective, we will be choked out and we will bear no fruit. And whether or not those people make it to heaven or not is really irrelevant. Who wants to live their life as a fruitless tree? Even if they get into heaven eventually. It's not about that. This life is where the kingdom has already come and where we will fully experience it later when we leave this world. But it is underway. And do you know what? There are broken systems in Kenya. There are broken systems around the world, but there are broken systems. So that all that means is that you need more wisdom. Need more insight, more courage, more strength, more resilience, more divine connections. Not, not that the people are the, don't get me wrong, people aren't the saviour or the provider, but God uses people to give insight, to give a hand up at the right time, whatever it might be. God uses people. So, but equally as challenging, so, so Christians in the world today have an issue trying to overcome crises. I don't know if you get discouraged watching the Middle East situation unfold. Um, choosing not to watch everything on social media is not a lack of compassion. It's an act of self-compassion. Because if that fills your mind more than the Word of God, you'll be choked out. There are unlimited problems in this world, the worries of life. The root word is the same for anxiety. There are unlimited things that can choke us out. So in a world with so much problem, we need to increase our level of perspective from the Word of God to match it. Um, but the other issue that the world faces is comfort. Comfort, equally, even more so, because sometimes crisis pushes us to God. Comfort often pushes us away from God. And we walk into church not choked out by problems, but we walk into church choked out by, I don't need God. I've made myself. I worked hard for this money. And we forget, like it says in Deuteronomy 6, to not forget that it is the Lord that gives you the ability to produce well. And instead of coming in to give thanks to him 
for every good thing that he has poured out to be a model of generosity, we come in apathetic because problems produce anxiety. Um, the other one, <laughs> problems and prosperity produces apathy. Apathy and anxiety, the two barriers to getting the word of God on the inside of us. Again, it's just choked out. Now also make no mistake where the word of God is not, there will always rise up a counterfeit. There's no neutral ground. There are many people trying to make a disciple of you. The media. um, Absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot of people trying to disciple you. And we need the word of God, the voice of God, to be louder than those voices. And one of the big, but one of the biggest, I think, um, counterfeits to the word of God is what I'm calling human logic. Human logic. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 8 in either the Passion Translation or the Passion Commentary, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> some people, <laughs> some people don't. And, and you know, it, it, I would say this, I love the wording of the Passion Translation, but I wouldn't read it as my only Bible. Uh, It's some great insight, but it's not always accurately depicting the original. But I think this says, uh, it it comments on this passage in Colossians 2, 8, beautifully. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Isn't that interesting that there's Christ's fullness and there's Christ's not fullness? (laughs) My desire would be that everyone here experiences Christ's fullness. Um, Let no one lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. Not every smart person in church is filled with godly wisdom. Um, Not everyone who has been a Christian longer than you is worth listening to. We have to have a really good balance in church life between letting people into our lives, but also having boundaries around what we take into the depths of our hearts. Um, That's why it's important who we appoint as trustworthy people. Listen to Pastor Kevin, (laughs) listen to Sam. They're trustworthy, they've been approved. Um, But the average person that comes in tooting their own horn about how much they've done in missions work overseas, it's like, well... Judge it by their fruit, not just their words. So it says this, um, for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Basically, human logic is sanctifying your own ideas. It's coming up with uh, what I think is one of the most annoying and uh, I don't know, frustrating statements of our time, and that is this, my truth. You don't have your truth. (laughs) Your truth only becomes valid when it is lined up with God's truth. So when people say, my truth, I've got my truth, that is the biggest load of nonsense I think I've ever heard in my life. That does not exist. And there's a difference. I don't know if you've heard about this word deconstruction. There is a big difference between reformation and deconstruction. Reformation wants to get closer to the word of God. Deconstruction wants to get further away from the word of God. Reformation says, how can I live my life and how can we be the church in a way that more truly and honorably reflects what God has revealed? Deconstruction says, how can I leave out some of these things or how can I twist some of these things or how can I discredit them as ancient and irrelevant and from a bygone era so that I don't have to listen to it? That's deconstruction. That's my truth. And it is something that will keep us in spiritual immaturity like not much else. Because until the word of God gets in us, we cannot progress to become young people, let alone mature people. 
And so my heart is that across our churches, we'd at least be on a journey from getting spiritual children to becoming spiritual young people. And that's not a, that's not a um, don't think of being a young person as not, not a worthy spiritual place to be. You've heard about it. They're strong. Um, I mean, think about it in, in athletic terms, right? A lot of the, you know, the athletes that we see doing things are in their 20s, teens. By the time you get to my age, I'm ancient of days. You're not finding many 40-year-olds on the athletic circuits these days. Um, and so young people are strong and they overcome things. So it's a good place to be. It's not a, oh, I'm a young person. No, it's a good place to be. So can I give a few examples in my five minutes? Um, do I submit to the timer or do I take my uh, authority as the senior pastor to extend it? <laughs> no, it won't be too long, let's say that. Um, so let's look at some of these basic examples where people create their own, they sanctify their own beliefs um, and live by that. Uh, let's talk about areas relating to church. Now, I don't want to limit Christianity to these examples. I've just picked some really obvious ones. Okay, so I'm not saying that church, finances, uh, relationships are the entirety of our Christian faith, but they are where they often uh, rise up in these areas. So let's talk about areas relating to church. Let's talk about this one. I can have God without church. Doesn't that sound so holy? <laughs> Sounds good sometimes. <laughs> when people are annoying us. And uh, we have to hang out with, serve with people on teams that are different to us. That sounds like a really holy, um, holy statement. Let's come up with that good idea and say, yes, that's, that's theology. No, that's human logic. You, to say that to someone in the early church, they would have laughed at you. It was not in the psyche to be a Christian without being a part of the church was just, it would be inconceivable to the people who wrote the scriptures. Um, faith is personal, but faith is never private. It's always personal. It's never private. When we are born again in Christ, it's not just you in the family, baby. <laughs> All of us are part. You, you we're brothers and sisters. We can't just like go, oh, yes, it's just me, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and, and I doing life together in my lounge room. <laughs> Nah, theologically, boom, boom. If you take this as your guideline, doesn't cut it. Doesn't cut it. Do not give up the habit of meeting together. Not the once a month of meeting together. Not the every two weeks of meeting together. The habit of meeting together. Um, that's one thing. I've got to move swiftly. Can I talk about some? I could talk about things around church life, and this would be something to unpack maybe in the future. Let's talk about areas relating to romantic relationships. Let's get spicy. Now, here's the truth. I'm not out to make anyone feel guilty today. That's not my point. But if, if what I say does present a clash with your lived experience, I can't change what I'm preaching because of that and just wrestle that out. So, for example, I can have a romantic relationship with an unbeliever. I've heard it all about this, people. But he's a great guy. No, she's a really good person. Oh, they really understand my faith and they're really supportive of it. <laughs> that will work... <laughs> That will work, that will get you as far as a children, that will, be, that will be supportive as long as you remain a child in the faith. But once you start ordering your life around the word of God, once you start wanting to tithe and give to vision builders, <laughs> oh no, no, I was all right with you going to church a little bit, but I don't want you to give my money to them. It just, there's philosophical reasons, but is 2 Corinthians enough where it simply says, do not be yoked to an unbeliever for what does Christ have in common with the love? Is that enough? Um, because if I philosophize around it, I can, but now you're trusting me. <laughs> scripture, there's scriptures that make it really clear and there's a whole lot of personal experience that has come that I've seen as a pastor in a short period of time 
that just says, it's just not worth it. Or I can live with my fiance. We're getting married anyway, right? Sounds right. Oh yeah, maybe if we try before we do that, we'll get used to each other, iron out any quirks, you know, make sure that they, the toilet paper goes over and not under because everyone knows it should go over and not under. And if that's, con- if that's convicting you today, that's okay. Just let the word of God a- a correct you and adjust your, your lifestyle. <laughs> um, but not only, again, is there statistics that say that the, that the rates of divorce drastically increase when cohabiting takes place. There's also beautiful scriptures like keep the marriage bed pure, not keep the engagement bed pure, not keep the dating bed pure, the marriage bed. Can we trust God with that? And uh, you know what? You'll figure out whether the toilet seat goes up or down later. And then you'll learn it goes down. You just learn that. Uh, (laughs) I used to see memes that say, you need it up, I need it down, learn how to work the toilet seat, wife. And it's like, no, that doesn't fly in marriage. Just do what she needs. Um, I I heard this one recently, areas relating to finance. Oh, I don't give to church. I give generously to people that I meet. Uh, I give directly to the source of need. Now, don't get me wrong. Give as much as you can to everyone. But scripturally... The, the, the 10%-ish, I don't have time to unpack this, but the, the, that portion that we give uh, for the purposes of building the house of honouring God comes to the church. In the Old Testament, it came to the temple. In the New Testament, it came to the apostles' feet. And so to just come up with our own idea, it sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, no, I give to the poor directly. Oh, well, that sounds really holy. Oh, maybe, maybe that's true. It just doesn't fly, again, when you use the word of God. Give directly to the poor, but give to church too. Uh, that's the, they're the patterns that we use. Um, let's talk about less rule things. What about areas relating to mission? Oh, it doesn't matter if I share the gospel with people in my life. I'm praying. I'm becoming more like Jesus in my, you know, m- moral areas and my responses to people. I'm sure he doesn't mean that I have to share the gospel. Surely I can leave that to the pastors. Well, what if, what if uh, this doesn't allow for that? What if this only allows for a life on mission, a city on a hill uh, that proclaims the good news everywhere we go? So um, rather than picking and choosing what we take from God, his word needs to be at the center. How's this quote for you? Talking about Abraham when he heard God, it said, God's word was not a theory about how things would turn out but the voice around which his life is organized. Do we want, oh, let me read this one, actually. This is from uh, the book, actually, that Jamie mentioned before, Resilience. And he says this, um, what's his name? John Eldridge. Let me say what I really need to say, what we all need to hear right now. The mistake folks are making in this rough hour is trying to figure out how to fit a little more of God into their crowded lives. What we need to do is the opposite. Start with God, center your life on him and work outward from there. Our spirituality moves from something that is part of our life to the epicenter of our life from which all other things flow and to which all other plans yield. Plan to become the most converted person your friends and family know. So why don't we go ahead and call this the new monasticism rearranging our days to be centered around our life in God, drawing upon his strength for our resilience. It's the only way we're going to make it. The only way. And then when we do that, we become like the last, the last group. The word goes in and we bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. We are not driven by crisis. We are driven by conviction. We are not dependent on Pastor Kevin's uh, wonderful preaching on Sunday, but we have what we've been talking about, a self-initiated spirituality where you can live strong Monday morning, where you can live strong Wednesday evening because the word of God lives in you.
And what is the fruit that we bear? Well, we've been talking a lot. If you've been around here at, for, for very long, I've been talking about four goals of, of mature discipleship, that we would enjoy relationship with God, that we would embody the image of God, that we would embrace the family of God, and we would engage the mission of God. So it's about God, it's about us, it's about me, it's about us, and it's about them. And so we have to bear fruit in each of those four areas, our relationship with God, becoming like him in our lives, in a healing, um, becoming less angry, overcoming addictions, temptations. Uh, we need to learn how to exist as a committed family together. And we must, we must be bearers of light to the world in which we live. And that for me is the fruit. When it says they will bear fruit, what is it? It's in those areas. And so I just want to pray for, okay, no, actually I'm believing, I'm praying that I find resource to be here in February to share the word of the year with you in person rather than sending it to you uh, via video. So I just think that's way better. Uh, then we're going to be bringing a big team from Newcastle back in May. Uh, so there's a lot of things planned next year. But I would love uh, the message that I want to share that I think is going to guide a lot of what we are believing God to do next year uh, is um, there's, there's, it's, on, it's around the life of Moses. So how about we do this together as a family to start our word uh, getting deeper? I know some people read the word in a year, which, the Bible in a year, which is helpful, but why don't we spend like any time from now, but particularly from just after Christmas till the end of January, spending January, reading the five, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, it's called the, the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Why don't we read that together all across our locations so that when I share the message, which is spanning across the life of Moses, uh, it won't be me trying to recount his life, but you will have already experienced and already read it. Um, and let's, let's work on that together. But I want to um, stand, why don't we all stand up? I just want to pray for some people here today that might fit into some of the categories that I am uh, mentioned. Uh, and yes, thank you so much, Felix. How's married life, buddy? Doing well? Yeah. <laughs> Should I ask es Esther instead? <laughs> we'll see. Um, no, I can't do that to them. Wouldn't it be fun if we said, out of 10, close your eyes and lift up how, how, how good married life's been? And No, we won't do that. Oh, 10, 10. Okay, wonderful. Well, let's pray. Um, I just want to pray for, and I'll pass back to Sam. I just want to pray for anyone who feels like you might be in that spiritual child age. You get tossed around a bit. You're up one minute, you're down the next. You're, you're strong in God one minute and then a circumstance comes and you're not. I want to pray for people in here. Or maybe, you're, maybe you're, you, are, you feel like you have overcome some things. You are a young person, but you feel like the, tend the temptation is tough to go back. You want to remain strong over the long haul. I just want to pray for you uh, as you receive the word today. Um, so with every eye closed, if that's you, would you just lift your hands to God if you want to respond to something that I've um, preached here today? And even if you think you're mature, but want to just respond to something on an uh, out of the word on an ongoing basis, I just want to pray a generic prayer over each person here today uh, for that strength, for the word of God, for uh, resilience to implement some of these things out of the word into your lives uh, so that over that your story is that you are growing, that you are strong, that the word of God lives in you and that you overcome the evil one. And so, Lord, I thank you that you have called us not just to exist on the earth, not just to wait until heaven for us to take ground, to expand, to grow, to become more like you. But thank you, like uh, Paul prayed, I'm in labour pains again for you, Galatians, until Christ is fully formed in you. And Lord, I share that burden for our locations. And I pray, Lord, that you would be formed fully in each one of us. Uh, for those of us who feel like we are uh, too easily tossed around right now, God, I pray that a conviction about your word would come deep on the inside of them, that something changes, a decision on the inside changes today where the Word of God is going to start becoming the thing that they govern and order their lives around. God, I pray 
that as they stand, as they keep inclining their heart to You, as they uh, make the tough decisions to choose Your Word over uh, their, their, their passions and their, their, the lures of wealth uh, and the problems of this world. Lord, as they, every time they choose You, Lord, I pray You'd put more and more strength in them, that they'd become more resilient in You, standing, not tossed around. Lord, for those who have made some really courageous decisions, who have created good rhythms, who have um, implemented the Word in their lives, Lord, I pray that You would keep that. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would remain centre in their lives and that You would bring us all, Lord, through these various stages into maturity, Lord, where we are knowing You in a more free way, uh, in a more intimate way, Lord, where we become more like You on an ongoing basis. Uh, Lord, where we learn how to resolve some of the, 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 the things that are difficult about doing life with other humans as we learn what it means to be a part of your family. And God, most importantly even, Lord, what it means to be ambassadors for you on the earth, that we would indeed live for you, that we would see more and more people coming into this church, more and more people coming into, this, into the kingdom. God, we pray for the people in our lives that don't know you. Lord, would we be bold? Would you give us words to speak? Lord, would you give us uh, gentle and kind um, attitudes that we may display the gentleness of Christ? Oh, Lord, would you give us courage to stand firm in our workplaces and our social media? Lord, let the world, let us not be hidden Christians anymore. Let us not be uh, lights under a, under a cover, but Lord, let us boldly shine out uh, for all to see. God, we pray and we thank you that all of this is not in our own strength, but it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want to say, God, we worship you. We honour you. We love you. And we pray, God, over this church, uh, Lord, that your favour and your blessing would fall upon it. Lord, I bind the evil one off Rhythm City, Nairobi. Uh, Lord, and I release the kingdom of heaven over every family, over every business, over this congregation, over every child, and adult. Lord, I release the heavenly blessing of God over each and every one. Uh, Lord, for Natalie and Victor, Lord, we pray for this wedding coming up just while I'm here. Lord, we ask for every provision needed. Lord, we ask for peace. Lord, that in all the preparations, uh, you would be front and centre in their hearts. God, knit them together as they abide in Christ. Lord, draw them deeper. Lord, any little uh, stresses leading into this marriage that might want to try and cause tension. Lord, we just bind those things and we release the power of the Holy Spirit over this marriage in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I, I, I just, um, yeah, Lord, we just break off any negative words spoken by any people uh, over this marriage. Uh, any, any, anything that people have had good intentions, but it wasn't from you. Uh, and Lord, we affirm them. Lord, we ask that you'd protect them, wrap them up from every opinion and every fiery dart that comes from outside. And Lord, make their union strong, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Um, we will see you again here next week when Jamie, I'll get Sam up. Yeah, come Sam. Jamie's going to be doing some extended worship next week and praying for people and moving in the prophetic. So I uh, can't wait to see you all then. And up Wednesday night here, I want to share some things deep into the heartbeat of the church. So uh, come and hang out again there. Thanks.